Good, good, good. Hey, I'm so glad you guys are here today. Uh, you guys are in for a treat. Uh, we have a special uh, guest with us this weekend. His name's Jeff Stonecker, and Jeff um, has become a, a good friend over the years, and we've got to uh, just share in some ministry opportunities. You guys may remember, uh, some of you that have been around for well, at least 10 years will remember 2014, we started going up to Rhode Island to partner with some folks who were planning a church. And Jeff is the founding pastor of Ocean Point Christian Church, and he's here today to just share a little bit of his story, a story of the church, uh, and to just say thank you to you guys for uh, for supporting uh, that church over the years. It's an awesome, awesome church, and they're doing some incredible things in Middletown, Rhode Island, and so you'll hear more about that this morning. Hey, uh, a few more announcements uh, before we get started. Uh, Matt? Krebs is looking for some volunteers for early childhood ministry. He'll be out in the lobby today. If you're interested in uh, volunteering with the little little dinky dudes, uh, he'd love to talk to you today uh, out in the lobby after the service. Also, remember, uh, next weekend, guys, uh, Super Bowl party for men next Sunday night. Uh, there's a um, place to sign up for that on our website. Go up to the events tab, and you'll see that there. And then also, there's a place there for our Valentine banquet uh, for uh, adults. You can find all the information about that on our website under events as well. Uh, Would you guys stand up? Let me pray, and then let's worship. God, thanks for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to gather in this place, to sing praises to you, to just celebrate you and what you're doing in this community and in our lives. God, we thank you. We love you. May this offering be a sweet sound to your ears this morning, from our hearts to you, God. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Morning, everybody. You know, the scripture said that uh, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You guys glad to be here this morning? Cool, that's awesome. We're going to sing some praises.
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I speak Jesus can you just say his name with me and everything that takes place today, God, as the word comes and is spoken, God, we pray that you just speak into our hearts and into our minds and let the name of Jesus change us. God, we cannot come into this place and leave the same. And so, God, we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Woo. Well, good morning. It is, Yeah. As Jason said, my name is Jeff, and one of the things I like to say before I begin speaking is, I don't want to assume that just because you're here today, that you believe what I believe. 
Uh, You might be here for the first time. You might be here for the first time in a long time. Maybe you've never been to church before. Maybe you're here. And I just want you to know that you are in the right place. And my hope is that you will take a step in your journey today. Another thing I want to say is that just because I happen to be standing on a stage and have a microphone strapped to my face doesn't mean that I've got this figured out. Doesn't mean that I'm any better or further along than you. It just means that you can hear my voice louder than yours. That's about it. Now, I, I want to learn a little bit about you before I tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, and I've not spent a ton of time in Kentucky, but I, I realize now that Shelbyville obviously is in between Lexington and Louisville. So I'm curious where your allegiances lie when it comes to college sports. Um, so uh, make some noise, raise your hand, whatever, if uh, you are a Louisville fan. Yeah. All right, there they are. There they are. All right, all right. How about Kentucky. All right, so uh, I can set like maybe like one third, two third. Uh, how about Tennessee? Yes, that's <laughs> That's for you. That is for for you. Um, anyone just not care? Yeah, you're like I don't get it. I don't get it. When I was in college, I helped a buddy of mine move uh, to Lexington, and as a thank you, he took us to a UK football game. And I didn't have a dog in the fight, but uh, I figured when in Rome, so uh, my buddy and I, like, he had a giant U painted on his chest, had a giant K painted on mine, and we went to the game, took our shirts off. We looked like the like, biggest fans ever. Um, I was going to show you a picture of that, but my, my wife advised me that it's not polite to show pictures of yourself shirtless to people that you've just met. So uh, you can thank her for, for, for that. Um, now... Uh, today, I'm going to give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about. All right? We're going to be talking about hot dogs, bears, Israel, and purpose. All right? So kind of stay in, and, and not in that particular order because I don't, I don't want you to get like, too comfortable there thinking, okay, and here's the next thing because uh, if you fall asleep, that's, that's on you. I can see you, just so you know. Sometimes you feel like there's stage lights. You can do whatever you want out there. The person up here can't see. I can see you. But here's the cue. If you do fall asleep and you hear me start talking about bears, we're at the end. All right? That's, that's what you can know there with that. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. This is my family here. And... Uh, this is my wife, Rachel, and then these are my four kids. My oldest, uh, Sophia, is a senior in high school. My next daughter, Eden, is a freshman in high school. This is my son, Wilder. He is in sixth grade. And then this is Maverick, uh, who's in second grade. And I don't know if you can tell, there's one person in here who's not really smiling uh, when we're looking at this photo, and it would be him. I'm going to talk real quick to parents here who have more than one kid. If you're being honest, um, do you have one of your kids that if they had been the firstborn, they'd be the only child? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No comments, right? Um, That's that's where we are, are at. Well... This is my family, and 10 years ago, uh, we started a church in Rhode Island called Ocean Point. And Ocean Point is a church that you play a role in. Some of you might not have been a part of Shelby Christian 10 years ago. Maybe some of you just didn't fully realize or understand the grasp, but Ocean Point is part of your legacy, 
just as there were people who came before you that started Shelby Christian and you are here because of that, you, uh, Ocean Point exists because of, of you. And there are people now, hundreds of people, thousands of people, who have found a new church home who've been able to find a place to raise their kids in the faith, who have come to journey and experience that. And, and when we launched Ocean Point, we didn't know what to expect, but this is what we said. We said that we are a church for those who have given up on church, but not on God. I don't know if that resonates with you, but that resonated with our people in Rhode Island. There were so many people who had been either like burned by the church or, or maybe it was just more like a, um, the church seemed irrelevant. And we didn't do anything special. We just presented Jesus, just like that last song was talking about. And when you're broken and hurting and you're looking, you're lost, man, to be able to have hope. We launched April the 6th, 2014. So we're coming up on our, our 10th anniversary. And uh, if you're curious how much church planting ages a person, I'm only 27. Um, and this is, this, is, <laughs> this is what it'll do to you right here. Uh, no, we're coming up on, on 10 years. Uh, but we, man, we had some struggles during COVID as so many people did. Uh, we had been meeting in a movie theater and purchased the building, but the building we purchased wasn't ready yet. The movie theater shut down. And I don't know what it was like in Kentucky, but in Rhode Island, like we were, we were on lockdown. And we went without an indoor gathering for 73 weeks, a year and a half. And at its root, the church, like the, the root word for church, ecclesia, it means gathering. It's not even a religious word. It just means gathering. It could be a political gathering. It could be a military gathering. It's just a gathering. So how do you keep the gathering together when you can't gather? We did our best. We would do parking lot services where I would preach and we'd have worship here on top of uh, shipping containers, which you can imagine is not the most ideal. Um, we'd have to, you know, call it sometimes because the weather would change or, or whatever. But we did what we could do. And we were able to continue. We navigated through the pandemic. We navigated into this new facility. And here's another key part of the Shelby legacy. At Ocean Point, in spite of that, we've had 341 baptisms. Yes. This is in an area where we were told, if you want to, like, start a church, don't start one here. <laughs> but what we saw was that the need was great. And of those baptisms, there's, there's probably one that is the most memorable for me because I, I would tell our people, I said, hey, if you want me to baptize you, because it doesn't have to be me, and you want to be baptized outside, we're, we're right on the ocean, that's the name Ocean Point, it would make, you know, wouldn't make sense if we were you know, nowhere near it. But um, I said, if you want to be baptized in the ocean, I will do it anytime. And folks, it was put to the test on this particular day when it was snowing. And I'll tell you what, you have not felt pain until you have walked out of water barefoot through the snow. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I got back to my car after baptizing Stephanie here and my toes were so frozen. I had the heat on on my feet and this was my prayer. Dear God, I am sorry for my stupidity, but please let me keep my toes, right? I am happy to report I have all 10 there still with, with that. 
uh, this is part of, of your story. Now, I want to shift gears here a little bit. Um, I, I've learned something about myself that I didn't set out to be this way. Um, it just kind of happened. But I've come to realize that I am oddly passionate about hot dogs. Anybody else here like a good hot dog? Yeah? All right. We're going to be a little interactive here. And so just kind of stay, stay with me right here. Um, and when, it, when it comes to hot dogs, uh, I'm, I'm curious. Who here, like if you're having a hot dog made, you're having a hot dog grilled, it is only done when it is burned all the way around the outside. We're my burned hot dog people. Yes. You're my people, right? You know, you can shave it off there a little bit if you need to. It's there. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, anyone in here, uh, you, you just, you're able to, you like to just eat a hot dog straight out of the package, cold. Man. I mean, it says it's fully cooked, but <laughs> you all are bold people, all right? Um, now, now, what about uh, what you like to put on a hot dog, all right? Just yell out some of your favorite toppings. What do you, what do you put on it? Relish, ketchup, mustard. Chili, yeah, give me a good chili dog, yeah. What was that? Jalapenos. Jalapenos, yeah. Oh, yeah, now we're getting spicy. All right, uh, anyone uh, put coleslaw on their hot dogs, slaw dogs? Yeah, all right, yes. If you haven't tried that, you need to. Um, what about things that you put hot dogs in, right? Uh, anyone put hot dogs in mac and cheese? Yes. <laughs> I thought that was a more popular thing. There are the four of us. All right. Um, we're having a potluck later on, and it's going to be mac and cheese and hot dogs only. Uh, anyone puts uh, hot dogs in, like, baked beans? Yeah. Uh, my father-in-law, uh, he puts hot dogs in omelets. Whew, that is where I draw the line, right there. I don't know. Now, now here, <laughs> you're probably thinking, I've never heard someone in a sermon talk so much about hot dogs in my entire life. But there is a reason and a purpose for, for this. Because when I think about like the life of a hot dog, when it's in that package, right, it's, it's, it's nothing, even though some of you all will still go for it, right? Like there's so much potential in the life of that hot dog, right? It can make its way to the streets of New York City. It could be a backyard barbecue. It could become a corn dog. It could be whatever it has potential for. I now get to work with college students, and one of the things that I've really kind of come to uh, appreciate is in that 18 to kind of 22, 23-year-old age range, so much of the trajectory of the rest of our life gets set during that time. We kind of get that, figure out that purpose. Before then, like, so I'm, I'm working with college students who are basically like unpackaged hot dogs, right? They're, there's so much that they could do and so much that they could be. And so I want us to think about this. Let's, let's skip this, this next slide and jump to something that's referred to as the, the golden circle. And this is often used when it comes to like businesses and organizations and stuff. But I want you to think about it when it comes to your own personal life. See, there's this author named Simon Sinek who has this book called Start With Why. And he says in most businesses, people, like the majority of people know what it is that they do. But I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about your life right now. And most of you are going to be able to say, I know what it is that I do. I work at this job, I raise these kids, I go do this thing, I have this hobby, whatever, right? A smaller percentage of you understand how it is that you do what it is that you do. Same thing in businesses, organizations. But the smallest number of us, only a small percentage of us, 
understand why it is that we do what we, what we do. And there's some things in our life that are just an automatic, and you've never even really thought about it. Like, think about this. Have you ever realized or thought about which shoe you put on first, your left or your right? Because if you pay attention, you put on the same one first every time. Why? Why do we do what we do? What is our purpose? What is your why? And when we miss that, a lot gets thrown off. The first king of Israel is a man named Saul. And Saul was chosen to be the king of Israel, not because of his heart, but because of his appearance, because he was a head taller than everyone else. And this led to a lot of times when he was in a place where he kind of failed his people and didn't pursue God. One of those times, uh, the Israelites, they were faced with a battle of being able to, or, or the challenge of fighting a group of people called the Philistines. And now the Philistines were in this place where they had much, much, much more people who were going to be able to fight than many more weapons. The only weapons at this point that the Israelites had were two swords because the Philistines were in such power that they didn't allow the Israelites to have any blacksmiths. So being faced with battle, being faced with the potential for fighting, the only thing the Israelites could do was go to the Philistines and have them sharpen their gardening tools, their gardening hose and, and sickles and everything, to have some sort of something to protect themselves. And this is what the situation looked like. So we had the Philistines and we had the Hebrews. And what the Philistines had was they had 3,000 chariots at their disposal. They had 6,000 charioteers. And it says that their soldiers were as numerous as the sands of the seashore. What did the Hebrews have? They had 600 men at this point. They had gardening tools and two swords. The Hebrew military had been so depleted because in the face of looking at like these, these crazy odds, some of the Hebrew army, they just went and hid in caves. Some of the Israelite army was so afraid as they looked at the, the Hebrew army, looked at the Philistine army. The Hebrew army, Philistine army. They said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go to the Philistine army. They abandoned their own people because they figured like, I don't necessarily agree with these people, but I want to live. And these are the people who are going to win the battle. So they go and join them. And so at this point, what we see is that Saul is faced with this choice of what to do. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and all the troops with him were quaking. He's thinking like that, like quaking with fear. What do you, what do you do? Verse 22, it says, so on the day of the battle, not a soldier was Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Those were the two swords that they still had. Saul, the king of Israel, is presented with this, this problem, this insurmountable challenge. What do you do? What do you do? When there's something in your life that seems like so big that you don't even know how to handle it. A financial debt, a life crisis, a phone call with a diagnosis, 
relationship issues? What do you, what do, you do with those big things? I'll be honest with you. My, my go-to coping mechanism is I take a nap. I just hope that somehow, like magically, like as I'm asleep, when I wake up, all of a sudden there's money in the bank account. I'm like, woo, we're good. All right. All of a sudden my blood pressure is lower. All of a sudden, like everything just magically gets fixed. That's not how it works. And I'm not recommending that. I understand this is not a healthy coping mechanism. Just being honest, that's what I do. I'm not the only one. Saul, the king of Israel, does the same thing. Seeing this, being faced with like, how do I go into this battle? He goes and takes a nap underneath a pomegranate tree. But while he is asleep, someone else understands his why, his purpose, his calling. And it was his son, Jonathan. Jonathan saw the same odds, but Jonathan understood something. Jonathan understood that they had a purpose and a calling. And so he comes up with this this plan to go to his armor bearer and uh, recruit him. And the two of them are going to go out and, and fight. It says in 1 Samuel 14, 6, says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Perhaps. Now, if you're facing those odds and your leader comes to you and says, hey, we're going to go fight. We're going to go against those odds. If it's me, I'm hoping he's got some crazy, like, uh, amazing strategy of how to handle this, right? We're going to go at nighttime. We're going to sneak. We're going to kind of, you know, confuse them, do different things, whatever. Jonathan's plan is, uh, let's go to them. And perhaps, maybe, maybe something will, the Lord will act in our behalf. See, this is what he believed, though. The second part of this verse says, Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So as he goes to his armor bearer, now keep in mind, here's what an armor bearer's job is. The armor bearer's job is to hold the armor of the fighter until the fighting starts. Then gives it like, now no longer have armor there. So if it's me, if I'm Jonathan's armor bearer, this is when I submit my resignation. Um, Like it's time to find a new armor bearer. But that's not how his armor bearer responded. He said this, said, go ahead, I am with you heart and soul. Jonathan's plan is to go and present themselves to some of the Philistine military who are set up on this cliff. And he says, you know, we're going to go to them and and maybe they'll come down to us. If that happens, basically we're going to die, right? We'll be there. But if they say to us, come up to us, then we will know that that is a sign that the Lord has delivered them into our hands. That's a pretty bold plan, right? So Jonathan and his armor bearer, they sneak away while the rest of the Hebrew army is asleep. They go and they present themselves here, kind of in this valley, looking up to this cliff, to the Philistines. And in a moment that I feel like probably had to last forever, they waited to see what the response would be. And as they stood there, the Philistines looked down and said, come up to us so we can teach you a lesson. 
And in this moment, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they knew what was about to take place. So they go up and they start to fight and they start to win. They start to create chaos. One of the details that the Bible includes here that I find to be like just this fascinating thing is it says that um, Jonathan killed um, some 20 men in the area of about half an acre. So I guess like for your battle stats, like that's what you're looking for, right? If you're playing basketball, you want to know how many points per game. If you're a fighter, like how many men per acre can you kill? 40 per acre um, here. He killed some 20 men in the area of about half an acre. And as they continue to fight, all of a sudden they create confusion. It says that the, the Philistine army becomes so confused that they start turning the swords on themselves. Like they're there, they're fighting, they don't know what's going on. They're so confused, they just start stabbing someone. They're like, I just don't want to be stabbed. I don't know if you're for me, against me. I'm just going to stab anyone that I see. I don't know how confused you've got to be in this moment. But as this chaos is happening, all of a sudden Saul, across the way, he hears the commotion, he hears the fighting, and he takes a census of his, of his troops and he realizes who's gone. It's his son. So he musters his troops to go help his son. And as the Hebrew army arrives, all of a sudden now they've got the Philistines on the run. And an amazing thing happens now. Those Hebrew fighters who had gone and hidden in the hills, in the caves, they see that, wait, 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 we're, we're winning? Come on, let's go join, let's go join the fights, right? And they are able to apply even more pressure. And then all of those Hebrew uh, fighters who had joined the Philistines, now all of a sudden they're like, and I'm on the other t- team again. All right? Like, and and it, this, is what, this is what Scripture says. It says, on that day, the Lord saved Israel. It wasn't because Jonathan didn't save Israel. The Lord did. But here's what Jonathan understood. He understood his purpose. And that his purpose was bigger than him. If, if you haven't figured out what your purpose is, man, it's, it's not necessarily a simple thing. I can't just say a few things up here and all of a sudden you're like, woo, all right, I've, I've, I've got it. It's a journey. It's a journey I want you to be on. But I, I want to talk to a specific group tonight, though, tonight, this morning. Um, see, planted Ocean Point 10 years ago, but two years ago, I stepped down. We navigated through all the pandemic stuff. We got into this building. We were able to kind of get to this stable, healthy place. And I had nothing more in the tank. Yeah, most of the hard stuff was behind us, but if you've ever been in this place of burnout yourself, you know it doesn't matter if like now the road in front of you is level. If you've used all the gas going up the hill, you can't move forward. There's some of you who have been through stuff I can't even imagine that's challenged you in your life, in your work, in your family, in your faith. And for me, as I started to go through this season, uh, there were some indicators that really kind of popped out to me. There's an author and pastor named Carrie Newoff who came up with this list of nine things that kind of identify, like he, he uses them as like kind of a uh, check your gauges type thing that if you're, these are signs that you might be going through burnout. This is them here. It says that your motivation has faded, 
right? Starting starting to fade. Your main emotion is numbness. You no longer feel the highs or even the lows. People drain you. Some of you are like, people have always drained me. All right, that's, that's, that's on you. But for those of you who, who normally like to be around people, now all of a sudden you're like, it just sucks the life out of me. Little things make you disproportionately angry. Like, I don't even know why I blew up about that thing. It, it, it was dumb. You're becoming cynical. Your productivity is dropping. You're self-medicating. This next one is the one that punched me in the gut. You don't laugh anymore. I realized in my own life at that point, I'd gone about a year without laughing. Like, like real laughing. Not, I mean, you, know, you can have like that polite, someone says something, like, <laughs> you know, kind of whatever, polite laughter. But I mean like a real, genuine laugh. When was the last time you laughed? And then this last one, sleep and time off no longer refuel you. Maybe there were times in your life you're like, man, uh, work's been crazy, things have been crazy. We'll take a vacation, we'll do, take a little, and then you're rejuvenated and you can kind of go on. But now you go on a week-long vacation, you take a few days off, and you feel the same. So here's my story. I'm not saying that my story is your story, but maybe there's a part that connects with you. When I stepped down, I um, could say yes to eight of those nine things and maybe to the tenth, or maybe to the ninth with that. And when I did, all of a sudden that whole identity of purpose also started to crumble because I realized that I had placed my identity in my job, in my role, my purpose as the pastor of this church. And when that was taken away or when I gave that up, all of a sudden... I wasn't sure what my purpose was anymore. And so the people I want to talk to right now are the people that maybe at some point in your life you've kind of had a clear understanding of what you felt your purpose was. But something has happened, maybe big or maybe just gradual over time, and you've lost that purpose, you've forgotten that purpose, or maybe you are questioning that that was ever your purpose to start with. And maybe you're in this place of burnout. If you feel like that's you, here's what I've learned. Normally when we think about burnout, we think about um, needing some physical rest and spiritual renewal and, and mental clarity and all those things are true, but there's one key piece that is not spoken about enough, that to overcome burnout, we have to rediscover our purpose. And as I got to be involved in ministry again, I rediscovered my purpose. My purpose wasn't necessarily preaching or leading a church. It was connecting with people who would not otherwise walk through the doors of a church. And I feel alive again. So uh, several years ago, we went to the St. Louis Zoo. And uh, as we got the, uh, the paper there, um, one of the things we saw is that they were going to have feeding of the bears that afternoon. And I thought, oh man, all right, this is going to be great. Uh, we go and we, we walk over there uh, that time and we see that they've got different kinds of bears. You know, they've got uh, uh, brown bears and polar bears and black bears. But I want to see the feeding of the grizzly bear, right? Because this is like the daddy of bears, right? And I just know that this is going to be epic. Or I'm bringing my kids, I'm like, kids, all right. 
it's time to watch the circle of life. They're going to toss it a penguin or something, right? And we're just going to watch this grizzly bear go to town. It is going to be awesome. So they come out. And the trainer has like this bucket of meat and fish and, and they toss it. And I'm expecting the grizzlies to be like, bah, like, like stab it midair and eat it. Like, which I recognize is more like Wolverine than a grizzly bear. But like, this is just what, where my mind was. Like, I'm thinking this is what's going to happen. Whew, that scared me. <laughs> um, and as they toss the, the fish out to the, the grizzly, he just sits there. I'm like, well, what's going on? Maybe, maybe the bear's blind, right? Maybe the bear can't see the meat, the fish, something. But then something strange happens. The, the trainer pulled out an orange. The bear went berserk. <laughs> Making like, I don't know if that's what a grizzly sounds like, but you follow me, right? Like, I'm not an impressionist here. Um, and I was like, what is going on? And as the trainer threw it, he was like, his face lit up like, yes. I'm like, oh, they made the grizzly a vegetarian. What is going on here? <laughs> and in that moment, like, I felt sad for the, for the grizzly. Because I felt like in this captive place, in this enclosure, he'd forgotten why he was created, what his purpose was. And for so many of us, we're just like that grizzly. Maybe you don't get quite as excited over oranges, but we find ourselves forgetting what our purpose is. And so that's my encouragement, and that's my challenge for you. As the band makes their way out here, we're going to transition in our service to another time, another way of worshiping. There's something referred to as communion, where we get to commune with each other and commune with, with God. And know this, this is something that uh, some people refer to this practice as open communion, where like you make the decision yourself if you want to worship Jesus in this way. There are some stations on these black tables all around that have a little double stack of cups. Uh, one cup has a little uh, a piece of bread, and the other one has some juice in it. And if you want to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made of his body and of his blood, and you want to worship and remember him in this way, uh, here is the, when the band plays this next song, you'll have an opportunity to start to move around and head to one of these stations. You can grab that communion, but then take it back to your seat because we'll have an opportunity to take part in it all together. But as we're all moving around, this is an opportunity to do some other things too. Maybe there's something that you would just love prayer for or prayer about. And so there are going to be um, some, some places and some people who are there to pray with you. Maybe you've forgotten your purpose. Maybe you don't know what your purpose is. Maybe you've never known. Maybe you've never thought about what God's purpose is for your life. That God has a dream for your life. See, that grizzly bear got to the point where he was 
not living anymore. He was just existing. And I believe that God wants you to more than just exist. That he wants you to live. Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so there'll be an opportunity for that. And for those of you who came prepared to bring a financial gift, you can use this opportunity too to make your way to one of the black boxes. So I'm going to pray. After I pray, um, we'll stand, we'll worship, and we'll move. God, I thank you so much for loving us, caring about us, and instilling in us a purpose. And God, I pray that you would help us to lean into that, that you would help us to live and not just exist. God, I pray for a blessing upon this time of communion too, that we would be able to reflect on the gift that you've given us of your, of your son. That we would be able to be renewed by that, by that promise. God, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm caught up in 
just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do Nothing else, oh, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you, nothing else, no, nothing else, nothing else will do. as often as you gather together that you should do this to remember him. To remember the price that was paid for us. So Lord, we thank you today for the body that was broken. God, we thank you today that you you saw fit to go through so much punishment and so much pain to bring us back to you creation. God, we thank you for the cup. Lord, we know only a drop would have been enough, but you shed it all. You shed it all so that way you'd make sure we were covered. We were were brought home. And so, Lord, we thank you today. And we do this in memory of you. In Jesus' name, let's take this together.
Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Wasn't that a great message? That was a great message. Thank you. If you're someone that came in today that needs to find your purpose, that needs to reclaim that, good thing is you don't have to do that on your own because he did it for you and he found it for you and he'll take care of it. It's, it thank you so much for that message. That was so good. We're going uh, to close out our service. And I'm trying to remember the, the fancy words to end it. Do you remember the fancy words? I believe it's love God. No, love people. Let's watch him change the world. Thanks for coming this morning.